0: Hi yo! <laughs> welcome to Kiwi Birth Tales, my brother's name is Ali and I'm Boy, thank you for missing from Molly's Bobcast. See you later. Hello and welcome back to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast, I am your host Jordan, I am a mum of two, I've got beautiful Jai who's just turned four and Ali who turned two in September, I cannot believe I've got four and a two year old. I also have a business baby which is your birth project and if you're listening to this you might be pregnant and if you are then you definitely need to go and check out your birth project. Your birth project is the online hypnobirthing course you need to create your best birth and don't be scared away by the hypnobirthing word it is not airy-fairy you won't be hypnotized but you will have all of the tools that you need to create your best birth. Can't believe that we are in 2024 this is the first episode of the 2024 year, and it is a goodie. It is with Olivia. I spoke with the beautiful Olivia about her two pregnancy and birth stories, and she's got a lot of detail to give us, particularly about her son Julian, who was diagnosed with GAND. And at the time, I'm not sure if he still is, but at the time he was the only person in New Zealand to be diagnosed with GAND so Olivia talks us through that whole process um, and also genetic testing for her second pregnancy with her daughter Rose and yeah it's just a really interesting episode I loved talking with Olivia she's got two very very different birth experiences so she does a great job of talking us through those I know you're going to get a lot from this episode and I'm so happy to kick the year off with this one so I hope you love it As always, thank you so much for choosing to have me in your ears this week, and I will be back with more birth stories every week from now on throughout 2024, so I look forward to bringing you all these beautiful episodes, but for now, let's jump into this one with Olivia. Hey Olivia, thanks so much for joining me on the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast today. Hi Jordan, thanks so much for having me. (laughs) No problem. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? I am Olivia and I have a husband called Ash, we have a fur baby who was our first mm. baby, her name's Ava, she's a Bernese Mountain Dog and we have a three-year-old Julian, or almost three, and a four-month-old and her name is Rose. Beautiful, side note, I absolutely love Bernese Mountain Dogs, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> they are the coolest dogs and you need, like, oh, don't see any of them, yeah they're so cool. <laughs> My uh, there's a few there's been a few in our family, so we love oh them. really oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome, okay, amazing. well, we're going to talk through everything uh pregnancy birth and postpartum mum life with you today. why don't you kick us off with the journey to pregnancy for you and Ash? uh we were pretty lucky with our uh getting pregnant, so we got married in two thousand and nineteen and we had a couple of holidays booked in early 2020. Uh, one was to Japan and one was to the Philippines. The second trip, Uh, and our sort of plan was to start trying to have kids after our big holidays. And then we all know what happened in 2020 and we had (laughs) various lockdowns and things. So I thought, oh, well, we'll just start trying. Um, And then the first month that we tried was actually when I I fell pregnant with Julian. I um, woke up at 4 a.m., and i had the sorest boobs so sore mm-hmm. and i thought surely i can't be pregnant and <laughs> i went and took a pregnancy test and the line just came up straight away didn't have to wait at all mm. i put it back in the box went back to sleep <laughs> oh like, no, my I gosh can't, olivia can't how did sleep. you go back to sleep <laughs> i don't know i just <laughs> thought it's not true and then yeah went back to sleep ash's alarm went and he went off to work and then as soon as he left for work i ran back into the bathroom like took it back out of the box <laughs> <laughs> and had a look oh at it i was like oh gosh. my gosh i'm pregnant i could yeah. not believe it <laughs> yeah. yeah, amazing and had you missed a period by that stage no my period was actually due the next day so it was the mm-hmm. day before my period was due and it was yeah. only because my boobs were so sore that mm. was the indication to me i was like oh maybe maybe i'm pregnant like i would never yeah. had that before so yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you remember the feel? like do you remember feeling how did you feel like were you shocked were you like overwhelmed I just know that like it's, yeah when I took a pregnancy test both times I was like holy shit yeah that's exactly <laughs> how I felt just I was like yeah. holy shit and my sister had actually come back from America because of all our lockdowns and yeah. she was living with us at the time and she came out of her room that morning and she looked at my face and she goes, what's wrong? I said, mm. I'm pregnant. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah. She was the first one to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Amazing. And how did you tell Ash? Um, I had all these elaborate things. I was going to do something Mm. nice, but Mm. I was just too excited. And when he got home from work, I just told him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's so hard to keep a secret and like actually plan something and go through it with it when it's like, you just want to spit it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. Cool. And did you decide from there to go with a midwife? Like, did you know what to do next? How did you go about finding someone to care for you in your pregnancy? Um, I didn't really know what to do next I my sister-in-law had used an obstetrician and Mm -hmm. um my husband was very excited that we were pregnant that he told everybody that weekend this was a Friday so he told everybody that weekend including his brother and sister-in-law and they sort of just said oh you should you need to ring in uh you know our obstetrician if you want to use them and I didn't really know much about it but I Mm. just decided to go with the obstetrician that they'd used um yeah yeah awesome cool and how were you feeling in that first trimester do you remember like many pregnancy symptoms I had a few days of that kind of car sicky nausea but Mm. other than that I was horrendously tired um (laughs) and I think my boobs stayed sore the whole third uh, first trimester and then (laughs) yeah yeah but no real bad morning sickness or anything like that so I was quite lucky yeah in that respect it was yeah. something I was really fearful of. I hate growing mm. up. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And what did the care look like from an obstetrician perspective in your first trimester? So I think I had an initial appointment at ten weeks, and then regular appointments. I think every four weeks. Um. Mm-hmm. So I had, I must have had a scan. I had the twelve-week scan. Um, I was offered to do a NIPT test, but I decided Mm -hmm. to wait to see the results of that 12 week scan. And then if that came back as high risk, then we were going to do the NIPT, um, but that didn't come back with any risk, um, high risk or anything. So Mm -hmm. yeah, so we just did the usual, um, checks and blood tests and scans that are offered. Yeah. Yeah awesome and did you find out the sex of your baby in your pregnancy we did at that Mm -hmm. 20 week 20 week scan yeah yeah I um I always find it so interesting when I talk to mums on the podcast who don't find out because I just have no self-control like I could not I just could not (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't I wouldn't have been out of not I was so excited to find out not that I minded either way but I'm one of four girls so it was um (laughs) quite exciting to know that I was having a boy and we only had nieces so it was the first yeah. boy in the family <laughs> mm, amazing and did you do anything special to tell everyone or did you just did you just let mm, no one's knew? no we just told we just told yeah. everybody <laughs> us too I feel like I love the gender reveal videos yes. but again I'm just like so much effort <laughs> to, to do them when, yeah yeah okay. so awesome Cool. And what about the way that you were feeling in your second trimester? So, um, you sort of mentioned that the boobs were sore in, in the first trimester, did that, that subside in the second trimester? And how were you feeling sort of throughout that middle part of your pregnancy? Middle part, if I remember correctly, was fine for me. I had lots more energy. I know that the tiredness seemed to ease up and I just mm. felt felt really good. Um yeah my second trimester was good yeah awesome cool and what about birth education did you do any antenatal classes or any type of birth education in preparation for your birth we did we did an antenatal class and i also did a um calm birth hypnobirthing class um i think that was in the third trimester that i did that yeah awesome and did that give you many thoughts around like how you wanted your birth to go, or did you have many ideas about what you thought you wanted your birth to look like? I mean I really wanted to try for as natural as possible but I was open to any interventions that may need to happen. Yeah. I was trying to just be as relaxed as I could about and not have too much of a plan in place in case things went wrong. Um, yeah. yeah that was sort of the approach I'd I'd taken. I mean I had a Vision that I wanted to have a drug-free birth, but I'd also I was also aware that if that didn't happen, I wasn't too worried about it. Yeah, yeah, cool, awesome. And were you doing anything at the end of your pregnancy to try and like prepare for birth or bring on labour or yeah? Talk us through the sort of end of your pregnancy. So I ended up with sudden onset preeclampsia at Mm -hmm. um, thirty-seven weeks, and I had to be induced the next day so oh, yeah. i yes yeah, so there was not really i never really got to the point where <laughs> i would finished yeah. i would finished work at 37 yeah. weeks and that was on a friday and then i had my appointment on the monday with obstetrician and that was when my blood pressure was really really high and he said oh that's not good uh need to go off and get a blood test he, he actually asked me how i was feeling he said with the blood pressure that high mm. i should admit you straight into hospital I said, "Oh, I feel fine," and yes. so he sent me off to lab tests to get a urgent blood test, and then he called me um, a couple of hours later and said, "Come in in the morning. We have to induce you." Yes, so yeah, that was all a bit of a spanner in the works. When I'd other than you know the typical third trimester mm. feeling a little bit swollen and hot, and it was the middle of summer because it was yeah early February, um, I felt relatively okay um Mm. and yeah just had to come in the next day and be induced I didn't really have much time to overthink that situation (laughs) other than that that one night before which I don't think I slept (laughs) at all oh I'm sure yeah and did you know much about inductions like had you heard many stories about inductions before yours no but what was um Interesting. that night, I remember listening on your podcast as many as as I could find um, stories about inductions just because I I did sort of know from the antenatal class what an induction, you know, might look like, but I hadn't thought about it. So I actually found it quite helpful listening to a few um, (laughs) stories on your podcast. Yeah, cool. Awesome. And talk us through... The following morning, how did you go? Like, what did you have to do to get ready? Talk us through going into hospital and then, yeah, into your induction story. So we took our dog, Ava, to uh, my brother and sister-in-law's in in the morning. They were going to look after her. We went off to the hospital and my mum met us there because I wanted her there as part of my birth. Um, And they were doing a trial at Auckland hospital at the time for the, it was the oblige oblige trial where they were doing the water balloon uh, induction method. And so they asked me if I wanted to go into that trial, it was either going to be that or the gel. And I ended up like at a 50, 50 chance of either um, induction method. And I ended up getting the balloon catheter. um, And the idea is that you, they put it in and you go home for 24 hours Uh, and then come back the next day. Um, So the weight of that balloon is supposed to soften the cervix. Um, But when they were inserting it, I actually had quite a big bleed. So they decided to keep me in for that 24 hours in the Mm -hmm. hospital um, and just keep monitoring me. Um, So, yeah, that was sort of the start. I remember just having it inserted maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. I think we'd got to the hospital around eight o'clock and by the time they did some bloods and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. got the balloon catheter in about 10 stayed there overnight that evening i said to mum and ash oh, you may as well go home and get a good sleep i guess tomorrow is going to be a busy day nothing really happened mm-hmm. um the next morning when they checked me i think i was only one or two centimeters dilated i there wasn't really much happening um, mm. overnight over that first 24 hours of having the balloon catheter in um and then they as they took it out they decided to break my waters um and then I just had to wait uh, as the contra- I started getting a few small contractions um, and I was just sort of hanging around the hospital, walking around, trying to get things moving. Yeah. Um, and at about one o'clock that afternoon, I think I was about four or five centimeters dilated. And they moved me into the birthing area um, mm-hmm. to start a Syntocin drip and um, just kind of start Moving things along because my blood pressure, though obviously with the preeclampsia, still monitoring mm. me, and my blood pressure was still quite high, and they thought, oh, let's, we should really get the baby out. Um, so they decided to put me on the syntocin drip. Yeah. Um, and then my contractions started ramping up big time. <laughs> um, yeah. and I asked for an epidural at that point. Um well, I don't know if I asked for it. I think I screamed. They said, get me an epidural. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think it was because when they checked me and I was still only four or five centimetres dilated, I was like, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> mm. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I got an epidural. Uh, oh, it must have been about mm, almost nine o'clock that night. I got the epidural in. Um, and then fell asleep with the epidural and just Mm -hmm. have a little rest for maybe an hour. And I woke up and I was nine centimetres dilated. So I think just probably relaxing um, Mm. helped with that, um, that dilation at that point. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And do you remember feeling like you were coping? Okay. Like once you got your epidural and you got a bit of rest, do you remember feeling like you were coping okay and everything was going sort of as you thought it would or yeah how were you feeling mentally yeah I was feeling all right mentally and to be honest even that first bit I was feeling okay it was just I think I felt really disappointed when I was only five centimeters dilated and the contractions were quite strong and so that's why I needed the epidural Mm -hmm. and I once it was in I I was really scared to get it put in because i really don't like needles but I um. Uh, yeah once it was in I was quite happy um, just carrying on with breathing and relaxing and knowing what was yeah. to come <laughs> and at yeah. that point as well I was quite excited quite excited to see my baby I knew it wasn't going to be far away <laughs> yeah yeah awesome cool and take us through yeah the rest of your labor and birth story uh, so I ended up Uh, I think after the epidural was in and I had that sleep for an hour, they checked me and I was nine centimetres and then it was maybe only 15 more minutes and I was 10 centimetres and I started getting that bearing down feeling and I started pushing um, and they were monitoring the baby's heart rate and his heart rate started going up quite a lot and everything just started getting urgent. He wasn't coming down the birth canal, um, and I ended up having a, a episiotomy. He was actually stuck on the side, mm. uh, like looking to the side, and I was lying on one of those peanut balls. I was trying to mm. get, um, trying to get him in the right position, but his head was twisted and not in the right position. Mm. Um, so they did an episiotomy and vontosed him out quite quickly. Um, yeah, yeah at that mm. point <laughs> yeah and did you know much about an episiotomy or Vontus before your birth only as much as I'd learned in the antenatal yeah. class uh, so mm. I knew what they were doing but yeah, yeah maybe hadn't thought about it <laughs> mm. Mm. yeah and I was and... glad I had the epidural at that point I oh, think, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure and how did you feel like what sort of happened from there so they got him out with the forceps after an episiotomy did they put him up on your chest was there any like concern for him initially um his heart rate was still a little bit high but they did put him on my chest and they were sort of checking him while he was there um they did get a pediatrician came in and checked him uh because his APGA score was not that great Mm -hmm. um but that sort of The pediatrician was happy, but they wanted to keep us in. So he was born at 11.30 at night, and they just wanted to keep us in uh, the next day to monitor his heart rate and my blood pressure as well, making sure that... And pretty much as soon as I gave birth, my blood pressure went back down, which they were happy about. Um, So, yeah, so they sort of kept us in. Um, We went down... um, after I was all stitched and cleaned up and had a shower, um, we walked down to the ward. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, cool, the hard bit's over now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm done. Yeah. I've given birth. I have my baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He didn't have a name. We, we hadn't quite decided on a name at that point. Um, so we were walking down to the, to the ward um, and went to sleep. And then yeah. I woke up a few hours later and I'd absolutely flooded the bed with blood. And mm. I thought, oh, that's weird. I, don't, I had no idea what a normal amount of bleeding was mm. after giving birth. Um, one of the nurses, I buzzed and one of the nurses came in and I said, oh, what's a normal amount of bleeding after you give birth? Because I've just flooded the bed. And she sort of changed my sheets and she said, oh, this is a bit borderline. I'll, I'll go get a midwife. She never came back. She changed my mm. sheets, never came back. Two hours later, I'd absolutely flooded the bed again. Or maybe it might not have been two hours. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Whatever concept of time. I sort of went to the bathroom. I was just about passing out. Flooded blood everywhere. I was just walking through mm. my blood. There was just so much blood. And I pushed the buzzer again. And as soon as the ner- a different nurse had come in, she pressed the emergency bell and... She goes, okay. Twenty people are going to come running. You know, this is an emergency. Mm. Um, and I was hemorrhaging. I actually had not even considered hemorrhaging. I didn't know what mm. hemorrhaging was. I actually had no idea how much bleeding was normal after. I knew at that point it wasn't normal. Mm. Um, and they sort of, I woke Ash up at that point. Said they'd put him on a stretcher next to me, and yeah. they pushed a the baby. <laughs> the still nameless baby out into the Mm -hmm. corridor and ash sort of was with me i said go after the look after the baby Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they called back my obstetrician and they were sort of putting lines in my arms and in my thighs and they were trying to stop the bleeding and then they decided to take me off to theater um and i just remember looking at the car like ash standing in the corridor with this Mm. baby thinking what is he gonna do? he was thinking mm. what is he gonna do and so I said call mum she'll come and <laughs> she'll look up he goes I've already called her she's on her way <laughs> so um yeah it was really scary they sort of took me up to I I thought I was going to die like I mm. I, I asked them I said am I gonna die and they said oh no you know we well uh, we're trying to make sure that doesn't happen I think it was one mm. of the nurses said that to me and I was like oh Okay, it's quite oh my serious, gosh. So. Yeah, not yeah, very was, reassuring. Yeah, it wasn't that reassuring. Um, but then but my obstetrician arrived and he was a lot more reassuring. Um, yeah. So he sort of uh, calm, calmed me down. Um, and then I had to have a spinal put in in theatre. And because uh, they decided to put a junior anaesthetist on, they took three attempts to get a spinal into me. Mm-hmm um and yeah it wasn't it wasn't that pleasant it was a lot worse for me than giving birth yeah (laughs) was was the experience me hemorrhaging but it was it was okay what had happened my uterus had gone floppy um which i think can be linked to preeclampsia or it's you get a slightly higher risk of a chance of that happening um and they had ended up being able to contract my uterus. They checked that there was no placenta left behind, um, and there wasn't, and managed to stop the bleeding. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then I went back and joined uh, Ash and the baby in one of the rooms on the ward. Yeah. So, yeah. And you were, like, you were awake for all of that? I was sedated so they didn't put mm. me under because i'd had a i'd had a sandwich after i'd given birth and so they mm-hmm. they weren't they couldn't put me under general anesthetic so i was yeah. sort of just sedated with a spinal in um so yeah. i do remember bits of it um yeah. but i think i i don't i was also very dizzy um mm-hmm. just with losing so much blood <laughs> so yeah. i don't remember i don't remember it that well yeah um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And gosh, like such a massive thing to go through after giving birth um, and yeah. I'm sure totally unexpected. So how did you go with like processing that at the time? And you've obviously got like this new baby there that you're trying to learn to feed and like look after and all of this stuff. So you yeah, talk us through the next sort of 24 hours. So the next 24 hours, I um, I was, I was, doing okay I sort of was relieved I think I was relieved at that point relieved that mm. that was all done I was feeling okay um they gave me an iron transfusion mm. um I but the I couldn't get uh are oh, we now we named him not long after I got into the board mm. so we called him Julian <laughs> and yeah. I was and I couldn't get Julian to latch very well um or at all and so I was um that they'd, that they'd ex- when I was hemorrhaging they uh, they had expressed heat I had heaps of colostrum and they'd expressed mm-hmm. heaps of it into syringes um to help feed him and so yeah. we were feeding him with the syringes and I was trying to latch and then they sort of said oh maybe he's not hungry because he's having so much colostrum from mm. being syringe fed and so then we stopped but he still wasn't really latching. Um, yeah that well. Cool. And so when you were trying to get them to latch, were they giving you any assistance? Um, what, what sort of advice were they offering you when you were having trouble with it? The midwives in the hospital, because, because of the hemorrhaging, they'd, they didn't send me off to birth care. So I was, I ended up staying in the hospital yeah. for a few nights and they were, so it was the midwives in the hospital were helping me, latch Julian but he wasn't latching so they were um, showing me how to express they were teaching me to hand express and feed him with a cup Yeah. Um, and so we were sort of doing that for a couple of days and then I we got discharged he wasn't feeding, we got discharged um, so yeah, so my midwife came and she saw me at home and she realised that he wasn't feeding well so I Got a uh, breast pump, and I was feeding him with a trying to get him to feed from a bottle. Um, she was she's also a lactation consultant, so she was helping trying to help me latch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to use nipple shields, um, and he was feeding a little bit. Uh, he was feeding a little bit with the bottle, um, and yeah. So she sort of was coming regularly and checking. Uh, And he kept not gaining weight. Uh, So we sort of went through this process for a couple of weeks. We were feeding him with the bottle. I had lots and lots of milk. So there was no real problem with my supply. Mm. Um, We were just trying to get him to latch. And he just really wasn't gaining weight. So she sent me back into hospital um, when he was about two weeks old. Mm -hmm. And they put in a NG tube. And we were in there for two weeks, um, and he was still not gaining weight that well. With even though we're feeding him on these regular mm. schedules, every uh, you know two hours, I was two hourly mm. feeding him with the NG tube. We had lactation consultants come and help. Uh, he was assessed by speech and language therapists and dieticians and they were all just trying to, and pediatricians, everybody was just trying to figure out what was going on, mm-hmm. um, especially because now he had the NG tube and we were expecting him to keep, to gain weight, but he just, yeah, yeah he wasn't. It was, they were, they were um, weighing him every day, um, but he he did drop quite a lot, but then he sort of was staying consistent. So there was about four or five days sort of the end of that two weeks that we were back in hospital that he just stayed the same weight, maybe put on mm. a few grams and they said, well, the, nothing's really changing with you being here. Um, so we're going to discharge you. Um, oh, there was actually, while we were there, that we had a couple of, it was at the February, 2021, we had a couple of lockdowns. So mm-hmm. I was also there on my own. Um, mm. Ash wasn't allowed to visit, like no one was allowed to visit in some of those periods of time, which yeah. I think mentally was quite hard. Yeah. Um, we got discharged with him still having the NG tube in. So he had the NG tube in for about 12 weeks, I believe. Yeah. And um, we were just uh, sort of doing, we went to three hourly feeds um, and eventually he just slowly started gaining weight. Um, but yeah. they, when, as, when they discharged, they, and um, also had a referral for a, a pediatrician appointment and a ultrasound of his head to check that mm-hmm. there was no bleeding from birth like no um, birth injuries yeah. for him and everything sort of came up clear on that um on the yeah on the ultrasound there was no hemorrhage on his brain or anything yeah um but he just continued to not meet milestones he eventually got Um, uh, to latch and breastfeed. I actually ended up breastfeeding him until he was nearly two. Um, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. He was, yeah, he once he's, so what they'd sort of realized is he had really low tone through his um, mouth and tongue and central um, body. So he was quite a floppy baby. Um, yeah. and so they so said that was probably why he couldn't latch and that sort of started to improve as he got a bit older. Um, yeah. and then, he, yeah, he was latched and he fed well, um, which was good. Um, yeah. but yeah, he just kept not meeting milestones. Then they decided to refer him for an MRI. They said to me, it's a suspected cerebral palsy case. So mm-hmm. there might be something that's gone wrong. Um, either during your pregnancy or during birth that's caused the cerebral palsy. And obviously, I all the emotions. You know, you, yeah. You, you, you know, you sort of overthink. What did I do wrong? I I'd, mm. I'd, I'd, I'd had a vomiting bug when I was pregnant with him, um, in my third trimester, and I kept thinking to myself, "Oh, it must have been that vomiting bug. I must have eaten something, or you know, that must have caused damage." And you you you, you know, you sort yeah. of overthink every situation. Yeah. Oh, it might have been the Vontus delivery, or. you you know you just that's as a mum that's what you do Mm. (laughs) um but eventually we had an MRI uh, and they saw some white matter changes on his brain and I actually got a call from the pediatrician um no actually first we had an appointment with her and she said oh yep no he's got white matter changes on his brain Uh, it's cerebral palsy. That's an indication that he's got cerebral palsy. Mm. And so we thought, okay, that's we, now we know we can, we can work with it. Like we can, we'll do anything we can to look after him. We'd already, because of all the, him not meeting milestones, we already had a bunch of therapists without having a diagnosis we're working with. So we still had a, um, uh, neurodevelopmental therapist that was working with us and helping, um, build strength. um, and a speech and language therapist and a dietician. And then she called me after this appointment that she told us that he had cerebral palsy and she said, his MRI has been reviewed by uh, some neurologists and um, we need to get him admitted into hospital straight away. We Mm. think there's something more serious going on. It might be. And she threw out all these big words and leukodystrophy oh and all these things she said don't look them up because you will um you know you'll go down a rabbit hole and it won't be good but just we need to get him into hospital mm-hmm. and the, the nurse uh, the charge nurse will call you soon and, and talk about how we're going to admit him I was at work when I got this phone mm-hmm. call because <laughs> we were now he was over one at this point and I'd gone back right. to work and I just burst into tears I was like what like you know I've on one hand now I've come to terms with this Uh, cerebral palsy diagnosis um which is not a degenerative thing um and she's now throwing all these these Mm -hmm. terms out of all these degenerative possibly him having a degenerative disorder and so of course your mind jumps to is my baby going to survive like what's what's Mm -hmm. happening and I was thinking to myself hang on he's happy and I'm mm. playing at daycare at the moment and now they're telling me I've got to admit him into hospital I was just an mm. absolute turmoil um so I sort of left work and I was waiting for a call from the charge nurse and I got no call and I said "Oh, so what do I do do I just turn up to the hospital I'm not not sure what's going on and then I didn't hear and then the next day I didn't hear so I rang the pediatrician office and I said, Oh, I have you know, I'm waiting for a call on how we're gonna be admitted to hospital. Mm. And they said, Oh uh, so the pediatrician called me back and she said oh if you've not had a call yet she goes I'll, I'll call the ward she said oh no the ward's full um you know you'll get you'll you he'll come in next week. We need to do a lumbar puncture and mm. uh, do all this more testing. Um anyway long story short this lumbar puncture and this admission into hospital got rescheduled seven times over the next few months no (laughs) way yeah seven times over the next Uh few months because of the board being too full it was that same it was last year 2022 when they had all this Mm. RSV Mm. and COVID and all Mm. these so the children's ward at Waitakere hospital was just overwhelmed Um, and then they ended up deciding because it kept getting rescheduled um they decided to do it at Starship instead. Uh, yeah. So um, we went into Starship, finally got this lumbar puncture done. Uh, the genetics team had seen us, but, oh, and by this point I'd already had an appointment with the neurologist that had mm-hmm. reviewed the MRI, and they were saying, it, you know, we're thinking it might be more of a genetic condition mm-hmm. as opposed to a cerebral palsy. Um. And the genetics, uh, we had, they kept ruling out that, so they were. what they did is they ended up doing a blood sample and sending it off to Finland. And eventually, after all these lots and lots of tests, mm. they came back with a diagnosis just at the beginning of this year and mm. told us that he had... Um, a genetic change on the first chromosome, on the GATA-D2B gene, and it meant that he had this condition called GAND. And he was the only one in New Zealand with it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, oh my and God. there is less than 300 people in the world diagnosed wow. with this condition. At this point, I was six weeks pregnant. <laughs> oh, Olivia. <laughs> just oh. about fell over. I just couldn't believe yeah. it. Thought, oh my goodness I just um uh, well, mm. because because of all these things they kept ruling out all the bad yeah. really bad things that, that that the pediatrician had initially said may have been may have been the case and she said mm. oh, they sort of said just oh maybe it is cerebral palsy again while this genetics testing was happening in Finland um so Yes, yeah, so I said to the geneticist when he told us that, um, that he had ganned, that I was six weeks pregnant and was there any way to test mm. this pregnancy that if um, if this baby had uh, ganned as well. Mm. Um, and so they took some of Julian's blood and they actually took samples of mine and Ash's blood and they managed to set up a lab in Christchurch to be able to uh, test for this um, mm-hmm. um, genetic change uh, just by comparing the DNA to what Julian's DNA was, and um, so yeah. they were able to do that. They uh, they s- with an amniocentesis, so I had that at sixteen weeks. Um, while I was pregnant yeah. uh, with this, this my second baby. Yeah. So what had happened with this pregnancy was we'd we'd decide because we'd always wanted to expand our family. Um, and so we, we, again, we fell pregnant straight away, um, which I was very grateful for. And, um, but also there was a lot of mixed emotions about it because, Mm. you know, you sort of, uh, dealing with one, a whole lot of things going on with Mm. Julian. Um, and I was very excited to be pregnant again, but I was also obviously, um, maybe less naive or less um a bit more skeptical Mm. maybe um and so yeah when i and when i did have the amniocentesis they it did come back that this baby didn't have didn't have Mm -hmm. gand i i did also choose at this point to do the nipt and ever all extra testing that i could possibly do yeah. I, um, because now my whole world had been opened up to all yeah. these possibilities. Yeah. Um, and yeah, anyway, it came back that this baby was, um, did not have GAND, which was great. And mine and Ash's DNA was also checked and neither of us had that genetic mm. change either. So what they would concluded is that Julian was most likely a de novo case, which with something so rare, which means it's just a mutation that's happened in the womb. Yeah. Um, and with something so rare, that was more than likely going to be the case. But there were cases, there are a couple of families overseas that have two non-twin siblings that do both have GAND mm-hmm. and the parents wow. aren't carriers either. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And would, would they, or maybe you don't know, but would they have picked it up on a nipped? As no, you in your first pregnancy, no. No, because it's such a rare. So yeah. with the NIP, they only check for about three, yeah, or four different conditions, and um, and it's at a chromosome level. Whereas Julian sort of had all the chromosomes, but it was how the geneticist explained it to me is your chromosomes are like books books in the library so you've got 23 Mm -hmm. from your dad and 23 from your mum and then your genes are the pages in those books or the chapters Mm -hmm. in those books and Julian was just missing half of one of the chapters in one of Mm -hmm. those books Mm -hmm. and so when they do that testing during pregnancy it is uh, just checking to make sure all the books are there as opposed to the pages are correct. (laughs) How far along in your second pregnancy were you? when i think you said you were 16 weeks when you did the amniocentesis and how old was julian at that stage so julian was just over two at that Uh, stage yeah yeah Yeah. and what was his like just so that we can understand a little more a little bit more about gand what was his like where was he at in terms of his milestones and what did this condition or um Diagnosis actually mean for him and for you guys. So Julian was not walking or talking. So he ended up uh, learning to sit at around fourteen months. He didn't start rolling. He didn't actually even kick his legs until he was eight months old. And oh, wow. um, the midwife um, explained to me uh, in my second labour, she said to me, perhaps that's why um, he you you weren't able to birth him and like he wasn't mm. kicking himself down the birth canal um mm. because he wasn't moving his legs and what was interesting is during my second pregnancy I realized that Julian never kicked me in my first mm. pregnancy I had movements of yeah. him which you know you, when you're pregnant for the first time you don't know what's normal yeah. and what's not um I had him move inside me but not kicking so, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that until I was pregnant the second time and I felt lots yeah. and lots of cooking. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, by, by the time we had the diagnosis, he was crawling around. He's such a happy guy. He's mm-hmm. not, he wasn't talking. He was saying the odd thing like tata and dada. And, um, he learnt to say mama just after he was mm-hmm. two, um, which was such a cool moment for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah crawling around happy as um but so the other kids with his condition um aren't all struggle to speak so they have speech apraxia um yeah. most of the kids um most of the kids had feeding troubles and that low muscle tone when they were first born mm. um and uh, some of them don't have any huge issues with walking some of them um end up in a wheelchair um we, while I was pregnant for that second time, we actually had, uh, Julian had Botox in his left leg. Cause his left leg mm-hmm. was quite stiff, um, to help relax it, and in the hope that we we will get him walking. So he's still not walking, um, but he's sort of shuffling around on his knees and doing lots and lots of crawling. So yeah. we're hoping, um, hoping to get him walking in the next year. Yeah. <sighs> yeah amazing and okay so let's talk a little bit about your second pregnancy um and then into your sort of birth story so did you go with the same obstetrician did you decide to go for a yep. midwife what was your approach the second time around yeah so I went with the same obstetrician I um did every type of testing I could mm-hmm. um to check for any other yeah. um complications or anything yeah. Um, my pregnancy was much the same as my first one, uh, just horrendously tired, not very sick um, yeah. at all, just a little bit of nausea. I found out I was pregnant, it was just before last Christmas, and I uh, was making a coconut cake, and I opened a can of coconut cream, and it absolutely smelled off. I thought, that's weird. (laughs) opened another can of coconut cream. I was like, that's so weird. Both of these cans Mm. of coconut cream smell off. opened a third can of coconut cream. That smelled terrible too. And I thought, oh my goodness, I must be pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Went (laughs) off and did a pregnancy test. And yeah, sure enough, came back pregnant. And it was still a couple of days before my period was due. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God, it's funny, isn't it? How there's like some little things like that, that you're just like, nah, I'm pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah but yeah pretty good pretty good pregnancy I didn't get preeclampsia um this yeah. time uh just yeah again just horribly tired <laughs> mm. yeah and with this birth did you want to birth in hospital did you like what were your sort of thoughts around how you wanted it to go this time I had booked in for an elective cesarean um yep. I think just after my hemorrhaging last time and mm. just a the complications that I had I, I sort of was I don't know I I sort of not my thought was if I had to be induced I, like, I didn't want to be induced again and yep. so I had chosen to do an elective cesarean as opposed to being induced however if I went into la- labor naturally I was happy to give birth Um, or to try and the obstetrician had said, because I had sudden onset preeclampsia last time that they would book in a caesarean for 39 weeks, around 39 Mm -hmm. to 40 weeks. Um, because, uh, just in case I got preeclampsia again, um, yeah. So that was sort of my intention for my birth. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And did you do any different birth education this time around? No, I think just with life being busy, I was working full time Mm -hmm. and between therapy appointments for Julian and just I I actually wasn't thinking a huge amount about it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Awesome. And talk us through the end of your pregnancy. How were you feeling and what ended up happening for your labor and birth? So I was feeling I finished up work again at 37 weeks. I'd had a cesarean date booked in um, on the weeks so I had one week off work. There was a gastro bug going around daycare. And I was so looking mm. forward to having a, like a week or a couple of weeks to myself um, yeah. just after like a busy few years. But because there was a gastro bug going around our daycare, I decided to keep Julian off daycare mm-hmm. that week. So him and I hung out. Um, I was obviously quite tired into of pregnancy. Um, and we just sort of had a week, him and I. It was busy, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. And we just did lots of things together, um, mm-hmm. even though the weather was quite miserable, I remember. And then on the mm-hmm. Saturday, we took him off to get his first haircut. Um, mm-hmm. And... I walked out of the hairdresser. It was a beautiful sunny day and I walked out of the hairdresser and I was so sad that he'd, had, that we'd cut It those beautiful sure. curls. He had beautiful golden curls and I was so yeah. sad that we'd cut them off. So I said to Ash, I said, oh, do you mind if I walk home and you can drive um, Julian home? We sort of went to the playground first, played at the playground and then I decided to walk home. And the I lived near a um, pony club and I sort of was walking on the uneven ground through the pony club, walking through uh, listening to a podcast, and I um, was feeling lots of Braxton Hicks. I'd had lots of Braxton Hicks this pregnancy. Uh, yeah. um, and I I remember texting Ash saying, oh, um, po- the Pony Club's bringing on a few Braxton Hicks. Mm-hmm. I, I came home and I was folding, washing, having a good productive afternoon. Still lots and lots of Braxton Hicks. Decided to have a sleep at about three o'clock just after a busy week, I was tired. Um at about ten o'clock on that Saturday night, I said to Ash, I said, Oh, maybe have an early night. I I feel like something might be happening. Um Mm. my Brexton hicks were just sort of getting you know a little bit stronger. Yeah. And then at um then I sort of thought at about 11 o'clock, I said, oh, maybe I'll time some of these. I, I, I'm wondering if they're mm. a bit regular. And my waters hadn't broken or anything. And I um, sort of timed, and they were maybe seven or eight minutes. And then there was 12 minutes. And then maybe six minutes. I thought, oh, no, it's definitely Braxton Hicks. It's not, it's not regular. Mm. Um, and then maybe... Forty minutes later, I decided. Oh, maybe I will time these. They're not. They're not sore or anything, but they just feel quite frequent. Mm-hmm. And then at midnight, I decided to ring the obstetrician because I'd sort of thought, well, they're kind of four and five minutes apart, but they're not very strong. So I wasn't too sure what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and in comparison to the contractions that I'd had after being induced, it. it they were like it was just sort of tightenings in yep. my tummy it didn't feel like big mm-hmm. strong contractions or anything and he said oh that uh, so the obstetrician said "Oh, I'll come into the hospital we'll check you out uh what time can you be here uh I said oh probably by one um so we got into the hospital at 1am on a Sunday morning um and I walked down from the car park went up to the assessment area Mm -hmm. um, and then at that stage I sort of went up to the reception and I just leant on the leant on the counter and I said oh and she said are you having a contraction I said I'm not sure maybe I said my waters Mm -hmm. haven't broken um so I'm not too too sure and she said oh we'll check you and I said oh yeah um you know the obstetrician's coming to meet us here and he'd already rung ahead and he Mm -hmm. came to meet us um but she sort of checked me and as soon as he came in he said, Oh, we're off to the, to the labor room. And I said, so she'd just checked, um, sort of put that fetal heart rate monitor on and checked my blood pressure and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then he said, Oh, we're off to the labor, um, birthing room. And I said, Oh, really? Like I, I, am I, am I going to give birth? He goes, Oh yeah, we'll have a baby by the morning. I said, Mm -hmm. are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, I said, no one's really checked me properly yet. And he goes, no, no, I will, we'll check you in the room. Um, I've spoken to the midwives and they're pretty sure that you're not far off, you know, being ready to give birth. I said, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so off we went. We walked walked to the labour room and uh, it was the 13th. And I remember the reception, the lady on reception in the um, birthing area said to me, oh, go to, um, you know, room 13's ready. I said, oh, room 13 on the 13th of August. And and the obstetrician said, oh, you're not superstitious, are you? I said, not today. (laughs) Off we went into the room. And then he goes, oh, and he'd already said to me, oh, do you want an epidural? And I said, absolutely. I definitely want an epidural. I'm not doing it without an epidural. Mm. Um, So he said, okay, well, we've got to take some blood. Once we get into this birthing room, we'll take some blood. I'll get an IV line into you. And I'll call the anesthetist. Um, I said, okay. And... We got into the birthing room. He was trying to put an IV line into me and I suddenly sat down on the floor and I said, oh, I've got this bearing down pain. And he said, "Um, okay, hop up on the bed. And the anesthetist walked in at that point. So I didn't have an IV line in, but he'd managed to take some blood uh, to send off to the lab to do a um, blood test. And he turned the anaesthetist away and said, it's too late. Mm-hmm. I said, what do you mean? I said, you haven't even checked me yet. I said, I'm not Didn't doing this. Talk. He goes, no, no, I think you're ready. I said, but I'm, my waters haven't broken. I'm not, I'm... <laughs> I was just, wasn't really sure what was going on. Yeah. Um, and then he did check me and I said, oh, he goes, you're 10 centimeters dilated. The sack's right <laughs> there. And this baby's going to be born in the, in the sack. I said, oh my goodness <laughs> and oh, then they, wow. he was trying to get me the, or the midwife was trying to get me um the gas line out at that point mm-hmm. so I was I was really upset that I wasn't going to be able to have an epidural <laughs> um <Yeah. laughs> and then I thought actually I just need to breathe now I don't really have a choice yeah. <laughs> just need to focus on my breathing and yeah. then I yelled that was the first time I sort of made a big like at that time the contraction hurt and then the midwife said to me Next time you get that urge to yell, use that same feeling to push. I said, "Ready to push already?" <laughs> she mm-hmm. said, "Yep, yep, that's it. Go push." And then, yeah, three pushes later, out she came, oh and uh, in her amniotic sac. And I said, "Crazy!" I, it was absolutely incredible. It was crazy. I said yeah. to I said to them three times. I said, "Did did I just did I just have a baby? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure I had just had a baby?" and I said I want to do that again (laughs) yeah yeah isn't that crazy the difference between Uh, the contractions that you felt after being induced versus that absolutely and they did also say to me that um contractions before your waters break are usually milder than after Mm -hmm. your waters break as well so that's maybe why I wasn't sure Mm. Like they weren't they weren't that strong um Mm. so interesting yeah so it was cool yeah it was yeah amazing very cool and did they pop her straight up onto your chest and everything was all good she did the crawl up latched straight away oh wow um yeah (laughs) yeah yeah incredible and did you need any stitches or anything like that Um, I had a little bit of grazing and he did do a couple of stitches. So I just had a local, they just did a local anesthetic just before he did the stitches. Yeah. And was there any concern for postpartum hemorrhage this time around? Like what was the monitoring that was required? Um, no, they weren't too worried about it. I think maybe because I didn't have preeclampsia. Um, yeah, yeah, I, Yeah, they weren't, they didn't seem too worried about it. Um, Obviously, he was aware. Oh, they did give me a couple of injections in my leg to help prevent, Mm -hmm. to help my uterus contract, make sure that my uterus was properly contracted. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, awesome. And how long did you end up spending in the hospital? So, we went straight from the birthing room to birth care um, that night. So, yeah, she was born at, I think, one fifty nine. So yeah, we would got to the hospital just after one, and she was born at one fifty nine, and then we went. Yeah. We're at birth care by three or four a.m. Yeah, yeah, awesome, amazing. And talk us through the next like couple of days. How are you feeling, recovering from your birth? Were you on like a high after that birth experience? Absolutely. Yeah. Talk <laughs> us through. It. I was on Such a high. I. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just. I felt really good. I was actually really relieved that I didn't need a caesarean. I, um, cause I was really scared, um, mm. about that. Well not really scared. I was just a bit nervous. I, my main fear was around not being able to lift cause Julian's not walking. So my mm. biggest fear was I wasn't going to be able to now lift my 17 kilo toddler for five or six weeks after having a yeah. caesarean. Um, yeah. And so I was so relieved that I was going to be able to do that, uh, you know, and everything um, had just just gone so well. Like I was just Mm. I was on such a high. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, amazing, awesome. And how did I know you said that she did like a breast crawl and that initially? How did you go with breastfeeding this time? Fine, she's fed well, um, sort of from then. So I did have that initial. Um, pain for a few days mm. uh, but I was also probably more aware that that was a, going to happen um, yeah. and I didn't it didn't worry me too much I just yeah yeah used nipple yeah. cream and uh, <laughs> got on with it really yeah amazing awesome and how did you find going home and introducing uh, Rose to Julian and you're a mum of two now like yeah talk us through the change in having a new baby when you first got home? Um, it was it was a bit of a transition, but I don't know. I think I was on just such a high and so relieved. I did obviously have a, a few up and down emotions, as you mm-hmm. do after giving birth. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, there was definitely some hard days, but nothing I feel that was too... I just was sort of happy to have my family and mm. you know this was what sort of we'd, we'd envisioned having two children and here I was I was just mm. feeling really grateful and yeah blessed to have everybody here safely <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah amazing and how are you going now like you're obviously four months in and You've survived the <laughs> the four months with the four months. two kids, yeah. and yeah, how are you finding? Um, how are you finding everything now? Yeah, good. I mean, Julian had a little bit of a, a rough patch when she when we actually first brought her home because he, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't now the only child, and his yeah. sleep his sleep turned. Uh, you know, he started started waking in the night whereas he was sleeping through. But that's all yeah. settled down now. He's sleeping great she's in that nice 4 month sleep mm-hmm. change where she <laughs> likes to be awake a few times at night and uh, yeah. yeah it's it's been it's been good uh, yeah <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me on the podcast Olivia I've really loved talking to you and uh, yeah, it's such an interesting story and I really love <laughs> your second birth story <laughs> I just think yeah it's so yeah that was super interesting to hear and um also amazing that she was born in her sex so yeah thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories with us I know there'll be lots of mums and dads out there listening who are super grateful so thank you Oh, thank you thanks so much for having me thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of kiwi birth tales another welcome back to the 2024 season of the kiwi birth tales podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode i'd love to hear from you if you want to find me jordan j-o-r-d-y-n at kiwi birth or you can find me on instagram at kiwi birth or at your birth project and i will be back with another wonderful birth story episode next week